Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies, three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. For the past eight years, RDL Construction LLC has been servicing the New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Maryland markets, specializing in the installation of exterior and interior metal framing, drywall, acoustical ceilings, doors, and hardware, along with bathroom accessories and FRP. Check them out. Their website is RDL Construction LLC. Dot com. Today's guests are two Philly native brothers. And oddly enough, the last time I had two brothers on, it still is the most listened to and downloaded episode. Let me introduce these gentlemen, Jonathan and Jamie Weibar. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Nick. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely, guys. I was looking forward to this. And I wanted to start with you. Is it John or Jonathan? What, what, what's better for you? Oh, John's fine. Either one. Either one. Yeah. You got it. John, I just wanted to go back to how things started. But first, let me just let the listeners know that you are the founder and owner of Revolution Recovery, which is a recycling and services and dumpster rental, basically a waste management company. Yes, that's that's correct. And that started back in 2004, correct? That's right. From uh, quite humble beginnings, we went at it. I was working for an environmental consulting firm. I had a job cleaning up Ground Zero. And my past business partner, he's no longer with the business, but we started out. He came to me and said, I want to do this business recycling drywall. And I was like, okay, uh, you know, that sounds interesting, but I'm doing this thing environmental and a couple months later, I really wasn't feeling my boss was taking it where we wanted to go. So I called him back and said, okay, talk to me more about this drywall thing. We had a couple of lunch meetings and then we set out to recycle drywall and quickly realized that what the construction industry needed was all manner of recycling. And that's kind of how we got going. But we had no experience, no money, no customers, and no real know-how. So it was truly, you know, a rag starting from rags which quite frankly is the best way to learn. And I was still uh, young enough to live with no salary and the long hours and and all that. Yeah. No, I got it. I think it's kind of interesting too, that, you know, it being September 11th, you know, 20 years ago, that kind of guided your path a little bit, as as you mentioned, you want to talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. In fact, I was at the university of Texas in Austin. I I ran uh, cross country and track there. And I was a geology major. And the year before this company uh, 
uh, an exploration, oil exploration company had hired like 18 people from the class, the geology class. And then that was the plan for a lot of them after. But then after September 11th, they didn't hire anybody that year. I rocked the markets. So not only did I get the job, I was Schlumberger was that firm. Not only did I get the job that was going to send me over the world and like get in the oil business, but when I did get back to Philly, I found a, an opportunity I wasn't really seeing to go and work on the cleanup up in New York. So yeah, it was very much uh, steered, steered the path of my career. This was a big day. Yeah, no, it certainly seems like it. And your mission is to keep recyclable materials out of sanitary landfills. That's correct? Yes, yes. All manner of construction material and manufacturing mm-hmm. waste, yeah. And for people who don't know, you know, they, they offer 10-yard, 20-yard, 30-yard, 40-yard cubic yards containers. They offer tubsters, which are rolling plastic boxes, which I use a lot of. I started doing business with you guys, I guess it was a couple years ago, right, Jamie? Yeah, actually, uh, we've known each other for, I'd say, uh, maybe about 13 years. We, we met, uh, I always kind of time it with the Phillies World Series wins. Yes. <laughs> uh, a lot of fun at uh, Citizens Bank Park. I had a wholesale clothing business and uh, naively opened a clothing store in, in Maniunk, and it was well for a stretch, and then... You know, the economy turned south in 2009 and I did a few other things and eventually, you know, realized I needed to uh, to work at my brother's company that was um, doing much better than anything I was involved with. And I started on January 2nd, 2018, and uh, we met up soon after that. And I kind of told you what I was doing and you have a million relationships in the business and, you know, we're extremely well covered with, uh, with waste removal and mm-hmm. not high on your priority list, but you were nice enough to uh, engage conversation and eventually give it a shot. And you've been a great customer since and, and, you know, a great networker and connector and, you know, always have a great time catching up with you. I've been, I've been a fan, fan of your podcast as well. No, I appreciate it. And you're a hell of a networker too. Every, everywhere I go, you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. He's, he, he's all over the place. Now you went to University of Texas as well, Jamie, and you were on the golf team. How and why did you both go to University of Texas being Philly natives? Just curious. Well, yeah, actually, I never officially was on the golf team. I was not quite at that level. Oh, okay. I loved golf and, and played a lot of competitive golf and did play a lot of golf down in Texas, but never quite that good. Got it. Well, you're pretty damn good. <laughs> my, my father was living in, in Dallas at the time and, you know, was looking and took a, a, on a long shot, took a visit to Austin and just really fell in love and actually was running at the University of Oregon, you know, which is kind of like the Alabama, you know, what Alabama is to football. They are to cross country. And when I moved to Texas, for my freshman year at University of Texas, John actually transferred down there. And so he over for a few years and he was the captain of the cross country team and, and on a, you know, on a, an incredibly successful track team down there. So it wasn't, you know, designed that way. It kind of was some moving parts, but we, mm-hmm. we spent some time down in Austin together and uh, yeah, those were great memories. Yeah. Nothing wrong with in-state tuition and, um, and nothing wrong with Austin, Texas. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've 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 had the pleasure to fly in and fly out, but never really never really got to enjoy the city. But from what I could see, it looked beautiful. Yeah, gorgeous. Now, Jamie, one thing that I wanted to to bring up for all the Phillies fans out there, you're good friends with Shane Victorino. That's how I met him. Every time I, I would see you, you'd be with him. What, what's your connection with him exactly? Uh, yeah, Shane's been a great friend. He's a great guy. We had a mutual friend, and and when he came to uh, to the Phillies organization, he was the MVP of of the International League. He was playing uh, in the Lehigh Valley, and he got his call up to the Phillies. And actually, at the time, I clothing Annyunk, and and he came down and visited my store. And you know, we're about the same age, and mm-hmm. you know, both you know, I'm a big sports fan. To have uh, you know a guy on the Phillies at the time they were so successful it was extremely exciting and he didn't know anything about the town. And so I kind of, you know, restaurants and, and we just uh, became fast friends. And uh, those Philly years were, mm-hmm. were really, when he was here, I was going to, um, you know, 40 to 60 plus games a year and got to all those guys and, and just incredible memories. So, um, you know, we, we met up soon after that. You a great sports fan, also a college mm-hmm. baseball. So, you know, we always had some great conversations about baseball, but yeah, Shane, still a great friend, still, you know, passionate about Philadelphia. Unfortunately, yeah. COVID, he hasn't visited as much in the last two years as he normally does, but he'll be back here soon. And we've lucky, lucky enough to uh, give him some, some tours of revolution recovery and uh, take some of our exciting you know projects that our customers are always doing. And, uh, you know, I feel like when you win in this town, you know, you really are a legend forever. So still to this day in, in 2021, you know, you go to the ballpark, there's you know, shirts everywhere and I feel like he'll be a, you know, a bit of a legend forever. He, you know, yeah. didn't you know the successes of some of the, you know, Mike Schmidt or, or these guys, but he's a fan favorite. So it's just been fun to fun to be a small part of that uh, and, you know, see how still to this day, you know, he remains a, a big Philly figure. No, awesome. And that, well, what a great time that was, 2008, 2009. Hopefully we can get back there. Yeah. Shane just got a new house in uh, Idaho, and he invited Jamie. So I've been nudging Jamie, hey, let's go. It looks amazing. Yeah. I did hear about that. Yeah. I'm sure it is amazing. <laughs> he was always a lot of fun to hang out with, that's for sure. Yes. Hey, guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856-217-1750 And I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. So back to revolutionary recovery. Uh, You have three offices, two in PA and one in Delaware. How quickly did those offices, you know, form, John? Obviously, Philadelphia was was the first one, correct? Yeah, well, actually, when we started in 2004, there was no office. You know, we we were basically at home Mm -hmm. um, on the computer and working the phones. I mean, at first, we're just calling people, trying to find someone who will give us a shot. And then, you know, we got one job and then two jobs and then three jobs. And then uh, in 2006, we rented this little side lot on a scrapyard, like their parking lot. 
And that was the beginning of like physical, a physical location. And then in 2008, we actually opened our Philly, our current Philly spot in the very back corner of where we are now. Mm -hmm. And we poured this big concrete slab and built a retaining wall. And um, so then that from 2008, we, until 2000, you know, and still going on, we built that out. We expanded on the property. We put in buildings, we put in conveyor belt shredders, screens, poured concrete, you know, and retrofitted this property to get it going for us. And then in 2012, we or opened our second plant in Newcastle, Delaware, where we were lucky to have uh big buildings pre-existing. And I said to myself, man, it took us, you know, it took us four years to open this plant in Philly. And then it took us, you know, it's taken us four years to get it to where it is today. So that's eight years to get to here. So I thought we'll open this new Delaware one and it'll take us like a year or two years. And little did I know, but we brought existing employees from Philly we knew where to buy the machines now. We you know, got extra machines or we sent spares down there. We knew how to make the sales calls. We knew how to do the tickets. And actually in two weeks, the thing was running like pretty smooth. And so I was like, wow. And that was, I had spent the last two years, you know, we'd grown so rapidly. I'd spent the last two years, we constantly improving the operation. And it was getting to the point where we're diminishing returns. We're working on like tightening up the, you know, final fine tune little things. And then when we opened the Delaware plant, I thought to myself, man, we're wasting our energy, like on these tiny little minutiae and details, the opportunities here, like take the model to new markets. Mm -hmm. So that was 2012. We got Delaware going and in, yeah, in two weeks, it was running fine, but it was probably two weeks till we got the material coming, two years till we got the material coming at capacity. And then in 2018, we opened our third plant in Allentown. Yeah. And that was a little, uh, you know, we, that we stalled out a little bit there. And actually, my business partner left in those years, and that was a little setback to our growth plan. Yeah. Got it. Was it, was it just like a buyout with the business partner or? Yeah, it was a buyout, but you know, those to, to open a new plant, like that's a big move. You, you're taking on a lot of debt yeah, and you're putting your name and everything out there, your credibility, like your DEP status, everything. So, you know, you got to have the confidence and the, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. And so when you have a business partner, that's really good because they can inspire you and get you over a hurdle or like, you know, give you the confidence to really push you through. But at the same time, if they're not feeling it and their personal life and goals and dreams have changed, you know, then they can be like an anchor and they can like hold you back. So when we were aligned and on the same page, you know, you're stronger than ever because you got a great wingman and, you know, two forehands are better than two, but you know, when you're not on the same page or you're pulling the ropes the other way or something, then you're, you're standing still basically. So working through that, but yeah, it took, it was amazing to me how long and hard the first one took, but once you've done it and once you're have relationships with banks and equipment yeah. and, you know, and you have labor pool and everything, then it's amazing how quickly you can get them going. Good stuff. And just talk a little bit to give people perspective. Like how many employees do you guys have now? I think we have about 105 right now. I think we were at 155 right before the uh, 
the pandemic. Okay. And that, that was like our highest, our highest headcount. That's sizable. A lot of overhead there. And, and congrats on the growth. Talk a little bit about lead management and, and your lead program for people that, that don't understand the processes of taking the recyclable materials and, and just that whole process of, of what you guys do. Yeah. So we, you know, most of the material that comes in is actually is, is mixed construction debris, just like you'd see in any, in any dumpster on any job site. And we, you know, we dump it, get it out of the truck. I mean, first off, we're, our mission is recycling, but anytime, like the rest of the construction industry, the top priority is safety, always. Always has to be the first thought on absolutely anything we're doing. So even tipping the truck, you know, we, we're read up on all the hazards and things that can go wrong. We've read all the case studies and NIOSH and all these things, and we try to educate our team as much as possible. We get the truck tipped out. We got the material on the ground. The first thing we'll do is like, you know, a visual inspection and quickly make sure that there's no hazardous materials or anything that might be a hazard to our workforce or something. And then we size it up for content of the load. And so something like uh, drywall breaks down really easy and doesn't perform well through a mechanical process, like as you bend it and break it. So we will... Um, we'll try to push those loads to the side and pull the drywall out by hand. And then we'll also pull out material that's undesirable mechanically to go through our system. This would include flex duct. If you know flex duct, it's got that one wire that goes through, like those are a nightmare. They spread out, they wrap around conveyors, they wrap around axles on wheel loaders. So we'll kind of like, if we see, I say, if you see those around the yard, like kill them on site, you know, just cut them right down the, uh, cut through the wire other propane tanks are a major hazard and maybe oversized piece something that's too big with excavator will pull that out so now we've got the material mostly prepped up we've checked it for hazardous we pull we got the drywall load separated and then we feed it onto into our processing system and it hits this big huge finger screen which is kind of, it's a deck of, you know, long steel fingers, like pieces of rebar, many decks of them. And the material hits that and bounces down. And it's what it does is drops out the finer material, like the less than half inch, the dust, the, the stuff that got swept up, stuff that's going to be too small to pick by hand. And there's actually a lot of that 30 or 30% of the material or something of the weight that we receive can just be this super fine dust powder kind of stuff. And then the rest goes, passes over the screen and starts on the conveyor process where it comes to a, a picking table and a whole variety of like all our labor force and our sorting technicians pull off their targeted material. And they're standing, it's elevated. They're up on a, a mezzanine or catwalk with the conveyor and the material coming through and below them are bunkers, bunkers of wood or metal or cardboard or concrete. And as the material comes down, they pull off the targeted material. Actually each sorting technician is going after as many as four or five material streams. And we get as much as we can in that manual part. And then it goes into the mechanical process, which does change a little bit depending on where our market's at, but it, it's, prime it would fall all this material would fall into a shredder that would 
cut it, size it down. Then it would go past the magnet. It would pull out any ferrous metal. Then it would go through a finger screen, which would drop out the quarter inch minus material. And the last step was an air knife, which separates on density. It's able to classify the material based on its density. So the material falls into an air chamber that's blowing rapidly. Now, something like concrete or copper might fall through, whereas lighter fraction will blow off with the air force. So it drops out the heavier, denser material. And then actually the leftover we used to send as alternative fuel that they burn instead of coal to power a paper mill and sell the extra back to the grid. So that's the process at the recycling plants. And then we supplement that with lead reporting, which describes the efforts and gives the job specific numbers to how their material is being handled and processed. Right. Are you seeing a lot of lead lead projects these days? Yes, we are. But we came up on lead. Like when we started in 2004, it was rising and the other dumpster companies had zero interest in doing it didn't have recycling reports. And I'd like to think we pioneered, like we led in recycling reports. We did them to the nines. I used to write them. I'd learned to write reports to that environmental firm. We'd write really nice reports in that environmental consulting. So I kind of brought that over and we would, you know, try to just wow people and that, hey, because the architect. So then as lead rolled out, people would be like, well, my dumpster guy won't recycle them. Everyone would say, call these guys. And so we, we were ahead of the competition. Now lead got so big that, you know, everyone was, we didn't have too much of a head start, but we ran with it. But I felt like the prime for lead was like 2009, 2010, where everything was I was going just going to say 2008, yep, 2010 is when I remember on some of my big projects where it was like, you know, silver requirement, gold. So I think I've only done silver. I don't think I, I had a, a gold classification in my, uh, career but yeah it started getting big at that time and now it's still around and i think i mean in many ways it's just kind of the standard but i we see less projects asking for actually pursuing lead still in the state sector you know i still think for like state work there's lead money that they need to get lead to get back certain grants or whatever so we'll see some there and a lot of the big corporations and universities and stuff, they're building to lead standards, but they're not necessarily pursuing lead. And to give people also perspective on the amount of volume, you guys recycle over 500 tons of waste material daily. And the question I get often is what and what can't be thrown in your dumpsters? And I know there's a long list. So when there's stuff in your dumpsters where stuff that you're not allowed to really take, is that your process is you got to go through it to make sure you're pulling out all the stuff that wasn't supposed to be dumped? Because I'm sure you do get stuff that wasn't supposed to be dumped, meaning in your containers. Yeah, we call that, we just, um, it's, it's, what we don't want is what we cannot take is hazardous waste, like asbestos, you know, 55 gallon drums of like mystery oil or lead paint shavings, stuff like that is, that's what's a problem. And and other things that are a hazard to our employees, like pressurized containers, like I said, propane tanks are like, sometimes people even throw in like big welding tanks, which are like really dangerous because 
if they land the wrong way, they can shoot off like a missile. So that's what we're really concerned about. But no, people throw in, they can throw in anything that's non-hazardous in the dumpster. We know there's going to be a residual. We can't recycle everything. So we're basically picking out everything we can cover and the rest goes to the landfill. And that's what we call like, you know, a positive sort. So we're basically picking out what we can recover and every stuff that everything that falls off the conveyor is, is going to the landfill. Got it. Um, I was just curious of the process and you explained it very well. Yeah, it's a lot, but you have, you know, what we want is drywall, wood, brick, concrete, all the metals, many types of plastic, like five gallon buckets, milk crates, vinyl siding, acrylic, cardboard, paper, you know, at times shingles and in the past carpet. And then what we don't want is like, you know, pressure treated or not, not that we don't want it, but what we can't recover for recycling is like pressure treated lumber, most insulations, any kind of composite material that's like many things meshed together. It's going to be difficult to separate lots of roofing products, MDF and like, you know, it's a lot of furniture grade woods and stuff like that. Fiberglass, you know, unfortunately all these things are either not recyclable or extremely cost prohibitive to recycle. Got it. Now I appreciate that thorough explanation. I was curious on that process. Have you ever heard of aeroponic gardening? It's the future of gardening and it is here now. Developed by NASA and EPCOT, this gardening system goes upright so it takes up less space as well as 98% less water. It is dirtless and produces three times more fruits and vegetables at a 30% faster rate. If you're looking to change up the way you eat or want to try a gardening system that takes minimal effort, contact my old friend Tara at 717 433 4207 or check out for more information at T Sesek. That's T S A K S E K dot towergarden.com. Right now and for a limited time, you get $20 in free certified seedlings for new purchases of the Tower Garden. And then, Jamie, you transitioned over to recovery, uh, Revolution Recovery, almost four years ago. How's that transition been for you? You're in business development. You probably do a lot of other things too, I'm sure. You know, it's been fantastic. You know, I, I came in really not anything about uh, construction and just a little bit about, you know, what Tom was doing all these years. And so started from nothing and been a great learning experience. And it's been great for me. I'm a people person. I, I love networking. I, I love getting to know our customers and following you know, who the big customers that we want to target are. John and I, it's great working with John. We don't work super closely together. I mean, we do, but at the same time, he's got, you know, 100 plus employees and a lot of other things going on that some of it, which I have no idea about. I try to, to learn as much as possible. You know, I still don't know a lot about trucks and mechanical uh, information. I even learned a few things just explaining some of the details of uh, when he explains the processes. There's certain phrases and terms that, uh, you know, I have to research afterwards, but, you know, we generally keep it quite simple. You know, when we're, when we're trying to sell to our customers, you know, we have to sell 
Uh, you know, our niche is recycling. We're trying to prevent everything as much as possible from going in the landfill. But we still have to sell against competitors aren't recycling. And I, we still have to sell to the majority of our customers who don't care about these, these, uh, these, these processes we're discussing. So, you know, but yeah, I think the Philadelphia area is incredible to see what's happened with construction. Uh, so firms working in this space and just met a lot of really wonderful people. And, and I look forward to going to work every day and you know, I'm excited for the future. I feel like I'm still kind of just getting started. Hardly a day goes by where you know, I don't ask John, you know, what do you, what do you think about this price? Or, you know, what do you think about this customer? Or how can we break into the territory? You know, we always throw out different ideas, you know, kind of a pipe dream. We have a lot of customers recently complained to us about, you know, the porta potty service or, you know, who can I get uh, a fencing from, you know, so we always, you know, talk about, you know, where, where the, like go as for now, we're still, you're still, uh, you know, got to got to figure out the whole business first. You know, we we do different in addition to selling our you know roll off services and the tubsters, as you mentioned. You know, we are in have three inbound you know quote unquote dumps. So a lot of times our competitors are also our customers. So we kind of wear different hats, and uh, you know, it's just been been really fun learning about all these things. We have a great team at Revolution Recovery. You know, I work extremely closely with our dispatch team, with our accounting team. And so, you know, have to get a, have a lot of great conversations once in a while. You have to have a couple of tough conversations and uh, just really enjoyed the ride. And I'm very, very happy where I am. You know, I'm all about learning. I ask a lot of questions. I always have. And and uh, just like I, I love networking and, you know, we learn so much from each other and just knowing me, you know, in a lot of different ways and. So that's that's really what I'm all about. And, uh, you know, one thing I love about John and about Revolution Recovery is, you know, we try to make all our decisions on the long game, you know, not shortcuts, not quick dollar, you know, not chasing the wrong customer, but long, deep relationships that we can all get from. No, good stuff. And you and you both have entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, that that's obvious to me. Were your parents business owners? Uh, no, mom's a, um, a a teacher, a longtime teacher. She runs an orphans program and um, big into uh, giving back. And other was involved in insurance, and so you know, no entrepreneurial background. But uh, John, John really got uh, you know revolution recovery around, and uh, I was entrepreneurial in, in the clothing business. But you know, ultimately. It was very successful as far as a lot of relationships that I built, but uh, you know I don't know if it was a question of timing or industry, but but didn't see the sustained success there. So now I'm just a a part of a, a big team at, at Revolution Recovery that's growing, and and so uh, you know I've, I've been in, I've really enjoyed that transition. No, great. And John, where do you, where do you see? revolutionary recovery going do you, do you see it growing further to where you're at now or are you or do you kind of like where you're at you know our we had set out a plan we did like a retreat and like a strategic strategy many years ago like leading we were going to open the allentown plant and yet we were going to open more you know i was like we're th- you know we're three for three we've opened three they've all been six they've all been profitable in their first year and so I felt successful, like we've got a model we can replicate now. And 
Uh, we have people that can do the real estate deal. And so I was thinking, let's grow faster. We did, you know, we did, like I said, buying out my business partner was that took some time and we lost some momentum in that. And so I was thinking that maybe we'd get like 10 plants or what I was thinking is you'd have enough plants to where you can feed your own uh, secondary processing plant. So all those, all that material we make and what we consolidate and prepare and we grind the wood chip or we bale the cardboard, you know, that goes on to a secondary processor or a mill. So there's some plastics where we don't have a secondary processor locally. And we see a big problem with plastic waste. So I was like, one day we can have the plastic plant and we can send our 10 plants will be enough feedstock just to, to host that. And then we can pick up more and uh, vertical integration, if you will. So that was kind of the vision that I had. But, you know, as I go along, yeah, you, 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 you think like work-life balance. And also what do I look at my team, the, my coworkers, the people who are going to make it hap- happen with me. And, you know, hey, what do you guys want to do? I mean, we, I worked really, really hard out of the gate there. I could never go back to that. Um, but I'm ready to work hard. But then I ch- I'm checking in with my employees as well. So I could see us, you know, getting back on track for that. I'm also, we really like to, you know, our mission was to keep building materials out of landfills. And as I'm sure you know, anyone that's around today, we are facing some daunting environmental challenges of which waste management is a factor, but definitely material consumption, like what we're doing with, uh, with material. So I was hoping we could lead, you know, we could lead and help break, help be part of a breakthrough in this that could really make meaningful change to how we handle our resources on this planet. And so I'm still, we're very, you know, we're well positioned. We're, we're networking, we got the equipment, we have the relationships. And so we're waiting for the right policy break or technology break that can help seriously address some of these issues like plastics and litter and da, da, da. And then we can jump in and, and bring that to our community and to the greater Philadelphia area. Excellent. Yeah, I was actually reading some articles, you know, about that. And uh, there's some good articles about you and, and your company and some of your future potential endeavors. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Now, you guys, what are you passionate about outside of work? And who's the better golfer? So, John, do you want to go first? <laughs> sure. So our dad, our dad's from Scotland, and he was a, a very good golfer, and he loved golf. And so he got me out early <laughs> when I was young, and, and Jamie didn't like it so much. And when I was 14, I shot a 79, which is the best score I have ever posted. You know, now it's more like a 99. And Jamie <laughs> Jamie has, is a, not even in the same league. He'd have to give, if he gave me a stroke a hole, it still probably wouldn't be enough. Um, but so I we should be golfing it. together then, John. You and I should be golfing together. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it, Nick. I'd love to get out there. Um, I love uh, the outdoors. I love canoeing and hiking. I love river canoeing and I love hiking. I love like spending a couple hours in nature where I'm only using my phone as a camera and 
you know, I can have some, there can be some tough days in the business and literally I can feel like the, you know, all the weight on me and 15 minutes into the forest or something starts to lighten up. And then after an hour, it's like washed. And then after like three hours, I'm just like, yes. So that's where it, on the weekends, you know, I'm always, or at nighttime, I'm always looking up where we can go next and go outdoors. I got a dog. I love to walk my dog. And I love to see my nephews uh, and kids and family time and travel. But yeah, I, the outdoors is, is where it's at for me, especially working in the city and in the fast pace kind of construct. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of screen time. It's a lot of energy. So then that out the outdoors, I'm digging that right now. Yeah. Love it. I can relate. How about you, Jamie? Yeah. As you mentioned already, uh, passionate golfer. I love, I play competitive golf with uh, my buddies. Um, but I also love, you know, golfing with, uh, customers and, uh, some of these networking events that, uh, like a GBCA event, uh, and also, um, you know, got a four-year-old and a two-year-old, two little boys, uh, they're, favorite person in the world is is uh, uncle john so we have a lot of times i love uh love hiking as well and but, but a lifelong sports fan I, I don't have as much time to follow as closely as i used to yep uh but <laughs> on all my philly teams that's uh yeah phillies eagles very passionate about that great start for the eagles on sunday yes now great and again i can relate with all that as well so if someone wants to follow their passion and, you know, whatever that may be, you know, in, in our industry, you know, something that they've been thinking about for a long time, what would your advice be for them to, to just do it, to just follow their heart and just, just run with it, John? Do it. Exactly. I was so young that I had nothing to lose. And so that was great. But then once, if you're decent and honest and you work hard, like it's not, it seems way more daunting. Once you're actually doing it, people are like, oh, I love coming here. And I love that you guys do this. And I was like, all we're doing is, is being fair. And like, I don't even think we're going above and beyond, but the, you know, there are some, some of the competition was just, you know, they don't, don't treat their employees well, or they don't. So yeah, that's it. You know, you just, um, you just, be fair and be honest and do right. And like, you will rise. So like I said, I, I was all in and, and we, it, I had a 50 pound bag of rice and a bottle of balsamic vinegar. And if no one would invite me out or buy me dinner or whatever, that's what I would eat. And that for like two or three years, you know, I was flat broke. I couldn't go to a bar or anything. It was just, putting gas in the truck and paying the cell phone bill. So you, you have to grind, but do it, you know, do it. You can't, you believe in yourself and, you know, go for it. So now if you are farther along and you, you do have something to lose and you have a mortgage payment or a family that's dependent on you or something, you know, then the stakes are, I don't really have that experience, but I would think, yeah, you know, you're going to be, you're going to have to have the confidence and see the upside, like see what you're working towards. Yeah. Yep. Jamie, what do you want to add to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, my approach is always work hard, uh, be a real pop influence. You know, it's not always going to be smile, good conversations, but just generally try to 
you know, empower the people around you. I uh, personally, like I'm on response time, trying to get back to people as quickly as possible. Our industry, sometimes just a matter of minutes and can be a game changer. You know, be available, be responsive, show up early, come with a great attitude. I think keep it simple and keep, uh, keep day after day, keep going and good things will come. I love that because I think I mentioned to you before in our conversations, responsiveness is, is number one for me, for my subcontractors, whoever I do business with, because I, I try to be super responsive and I kind of expect that the people I do business with. There, there's Jamie, your responsiveness is second to none. And I've just had this conversation with uh, someone I do business with. And um, no, it's just, you know, I send an email, I call, you answer, I send an email, the email re- is returned within a minute. <laughs> I mean, like every time. No, excellent. I love that. So guys, do you want to share your contact information, social media, website, so people know how to get in touch with you? Yeah, any, anyone who needs to reach out, my email is jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at revolutionrecovery.com. That's our website as well. You know, from our website, we're on some of the social media platforms. We're not super active right now. We probably should, should get a little bit more active. But uh, yeah, we're, we're easy to get a hold of. And John deals with, uh, puts out so many fires and deals with so many different issues any day that uh, he gets um, a huge volume of, of emails and everything. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm available. And, and uh, if anybody has any questions about what we do or any opportunities that we may have, you know, we'd, I'd be very open to share. Great. Gentlemen, John, pleasure to get to know you and to officially meet you virtually. <laughs> hope to uh, meet you personally soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much for having me on, Nick. I appreciate it. And uh, keep up the good work and uh, making all of our commutes a little bit better. <laughs> I, I really appreciate that. And always a pleasure, Jamie. And uh, thanks again. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Nick. Take care, Nick. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.